This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Yes, I know I love sports betting too. We have a big show ahead. Let's get right to it. We have a lot to discuss. Here's what's up. First, I have a bone to pick with the NFL and their schedule makers. They're repeating games, and I'm not even sure they know they're doing it. We're going to go over week eight matchups with my alien genius pal, Todd Furman, and former NFL Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, Drew Bledsoe, and I are going to sit down and chat. It's been a while. But first, let's recap that Bucks bills game in a segment that always goes for two, no matter what the coach's chart says. It's cover four. <laughs> All right, so the Bills won last night, 24-18. It was an absolute nail-biter, but only if you bet on it. And only if, unlike me, you hadn't already chewed off your last remaining nails in 2003. The FanDuel line closed at Buffalo minus 8.5. Bills were up 14 for nearly the entire fourth quarter. Josh Allen set the record for fake going for it on fourth and two, even though everyone in the country knew he was bluffing. We all also knew the Bucks weren't going to win, and there was no reason at all to watch the last 20 minutes unless you had money on the game. Mayfield led the Bucks on a drive that lasted over seven minutes. It seemed like the length of a Scorsese movie. Anyway, the Bucks kept the drive alive twice on fourth down because of a Bills penalty, and that's when the magic happened. Mayfield hit Mike Evans for a touchdown. Backdoor Baker did it again. Bucks betters rejoice. Misery for Bills backers, even though their team won the game. And this is why betting on sports is the best and also why my friend Harry hasn't had a good night's sleep in six decades. One of the stars of last night's game was Bills rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid. Five catches, 65 yards, and the go-ahead touchdown. The whole thing was very impressive. Not the stat line necessarily, but the fact that Dalton Kincaid is in the NFL at all. Let's face it, with a name like that, he could have gone a lot of different ways. Dalton Kincaid, soap opera bad boy. Dalton Kincaid, obnoxious prep student from Connecticut. Dalton Kincaid, evil billionaire who murdered Spider-Man's aunt for the 14th time. Well, I prefer him as Dalton Kincaid, Buffalo Bills tight end, who helped throngs of sports bettors collect on an anytime touchdown prop at plus 240. Good job by you, Dalton. 
And leave Aunt May alone, will you? Cover three. Okay, so Buffalo won, and to no one's surprise, Bill's Mafia was there in full force to see it happen. Buffalo continues to boast one of the best fan bases in the NFL. If for some reason you aren't familiar with Bill's Mafia, they're the group of dedicated diehards who prove their devotion to the home team by diving through tables. Yep, this display of joy is Bill's Mafia's form of organized crime. The victim, always the same, an eight-foot folding table. Just like the real Mafia would do. Imagine, though, if instead of stuffing his face with veal parmesan, John Gotti loaded up on five-alarm buffalo wings, and then macho man Randy savaged himself off the top of a bus onto a buffet. Spectacular. I don't know why more teams don't have a mafia, to be honest with you. How about the Bucks Mafia? A creamsicle covered clique that has their own traditions like walking out on a plank and diving into a kiddie pool full of nacho cheese. Alright, maybe that won't work. Either way, I can't get enough of this. Can we just agree watching drunk Western New Yorkers launch themselves through furniture is a thousand times more entertaining than the Tush Push? So entertaining that everyone's favorite announcer, Chris Collinsworth, has decided to analyze some of these antics. Uh, I gotta tell you, this young man is showing athleticism. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. On behalf of all the table breakers and pash rushers alike, we thank you, Chris. Come before. Can corn. Waxy, triangular-shaped garbage. All right, maybe it doesn't have a ton to do with last night's game, but Halloween is five days away, and I need to speak about this polarizing candy. I am not a fan. Who would be? It looks like old people's teeth and probably tastes like their feet. Sure, candy corn looks very festive in a bowl, but so does potpourri, and I'm not eating fistfuls of that crap. We don't even dream of eating this any other time of the year, so let's not pretend to like it every October. Go away, candy corn. You're very colorful, but in reality, incredibly bland. You're basically tricolored Justin Bieber. He can go away, too. All right, it's now time for my comedic and irrationally angry weekly attempt to make rational sense of a somewhat irrational bet. It's Wager Razor. Thank you. All right, I'm not sure if you're paying close attention like I am, but on this week's NFL schedule, there's a game that is a rematch of a game that was played just two weeks ago. Yes, get ready for a big case of deja vu as the Chiefs and Broncos, who just went at it in week six, are back on the slate here in week eight. Now, I'm not sure what happened here. Maybe there was a glitch in the Matrix and some scheduling nerd took the blue pill from Lawrence Fishburne. Or maybe after going through a quadrillion matchup possibilities, that same scheduling nerd said, screw it, it is what it is, and then changed careers to sell scented candles out of an Etsy store. I don't know how it went down, but either way, two weeks is definitely not enough time in between matchups. I get that division rivals need to play each other twice every season, but can we at least space these out longer than it takes for your grandmother to cross-stitch a lampshade? Not really. Eat your vegetables. I mean, the Chiefs defense just washed the Russell Hustle and Bustle skunk off their jerseys, and now they're back at it? What's the solution? Do we need to invent more teams? Is 32 not enough? Maybe the NFL should start adding the remaining Pac-12 squads that are without a home next season. I'd much rather see the Chiefs play Oregon State this week than Peyton's pariahs. We fans shouldn't be subjected to this quick turnaround. And more importantly, Chief Superfan Taylor Swift shouldn't either. Whoever's writing the NFL scripts needs to change the set list. 
The worst part is, it wasn't a good game the first time. This is like going on a date, and the guy shows up an hour late, and then sneezes all over the fried calamari, and then the dating service decides, yeah, you know what, you're going to have to do this again next Friday. There's a reason it's called Match.com and not Rematch.com. And I've got news for you. This is going to happen again this season. The Lions and Vikings, as well as the Giants and Eagles, play Week 16 and then again in Week 18. The only way this is worse is if in Week 17, the NFL forces us to sit through an 80 for Brady marathon. I know, it's not happening. I did it once because my friends and I lost a bet. Never again. Well, there's the irrational anger part. Here comes the head-scratching wager. We're going to double up on this double date as we go for four consecutive winners on Wager Rager. I'm combining the Chiefs just to beat the Broncos with another far-too-soon rematch, the Eagles to re-defeat the Commanders. That's right, a two-team teaser with both favorites just to win. It's the Donna Kelsey Double Down. <laughs> Four in a row, and if Donna's offspring let me down, I'll personally swallow a dozen friendship bracelets. Hey, we have a better than average show for you today. Later in the program, I chat with Drew Bledsoe and his bionic arm, and when we return, my old pal and nemesis, Todd Furman, joins me in the handicapper hot seat. We'll preview all the week eight games when Cousin Sal's winning weekend returns. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Now let's get to the game. Some great matchups on the Week 8 slate. And here to help me out in the handicapper hot seat is one of my favorite people slash aliens. We worked <laughs> together on the very first sports gambling competition show. I demolished him in Seasons 2 and 3. I forced him to quit the business. But don't feel bad. He still has the Bet the Board podcast, the most informative sports gambling podcast out there, and CBS HQ, Mr. Roboto himself, Todd Furman. What's happening, Furman? You know, Sal, Season 2 never happened. It was completely stricken from the record, so you can claim to be a champion of a fictitious season, uh... but it's just like a lockout in Major League Baseball that there was no World Series winner when the Montreal Expos were the best team in baseball. So much so, that's why they pulled the franchise out of Quebec. This is so sad. So sad. You just can't man up and say that I beat you. But all right, it's fine. You're doing well in life. You can move on. You're, you're hosting a show called Puckline, your favorite hockey. You break down all the NHL action as it pertains to the odds. You're basically just another former player spouting off your expertise. Look at this picture of Todd Furman. Yes, he played. <laughs> this is, uh, where is this? Is Wesleyan? You were a goalie? Yeah, Wesleyan, my Division three tenure. That picture is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. I mean, we did team pictures at 6.30 in the morning. I was probably on the tail end of an aggressive night out. The coach goes, hey, Furman, go put your jersey on. It's the only time you're going to do something meaningful in it. I did it. I styled my hair with a little bit of water out of those old school wow. three bottles. But you know what, Sal? The most interesting part about doing a show 
that's related to betting on the NHL. We get our own NHL betting scandal earlier this week with the first suspension of yeah. Shane Pinto as a member of the Ottawa Senators. So the NHL is officially now one of the big four with its own gambling. Center. That's great. That's great. I can't wait for your name to pop up in all, all of it too. All right. Uh, well, that photo, yes, it'll at least haunt you for the rest of this segment. So let's do this though. We're going to shift to football. You still do football, right? Every now and again, I pick a winner, but I'm still a little bit confused how this show is called Sal's Winning Weekend. I mean, maybe in a best case scenario, it should be Sal's Break-Even Weekend, but that's Look, a different discussion. He's loaded up with jokes. I, I should have warned everybody about this. All right, let's 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 show you. I'll show you how to win here, Furman. This is how it's done. Philadelphia, seven-point favorite at Washington. These two teams played like three weeks ago. Uh, 43 and a half is the over-under Let's talk about Washington almost pulled the upset last time they matched up. Last week, they almost pulled the, well, it wouldn't be an upset against the Giants. Philadelphia uh, did great last week. I don't know. I'm looking at Washington. Since then, they beat the Falcons, but lost to the Bears and the Giants. I'm going to go under 43 and a half. This, uh, this first game went way over. Oftentimes, adjustments that are made favor the defense. Eagles come down a little after the Miami thrashing. Washington can't protect Sam Howell. 40 sacks on the year already. Going to be hard for them to score. The under is 4-1 and one in the Eagles' last five games. The under has landed in seven of the last eight Commanders' home games. 21-13-ish. That doesn't help your score here, Furman. You're taking the Commanders. No, it doesn't. So for argument's sake, let's call it 21-16. That okay. way both of us can get to the window. Uh, but you mentioned Philadelphia. I think the storyline to follow here, Jalen Hurts wasn't on the injury report earlier this week, but did come out for the second half against the Dolphins wearing the brace. This Eagles offense feels like it really lacks some of the punch when they make the adjustment and play caller. Going to Brian Johnson from Shane Steichen, who took over in Indianapolis. You mentioned the protection issues that the commanders have dealt with. I mean, Sam Howell on a pace to flirt with David Carr, and that's never exactly a great record or company you want to keep. But Washington has been able to compete with Philly from start to finish. And when you get a desperate team back to a corner, uh, I think Washington is going to take them to the mat in this spot. The home underdog is live, in my opinion. When you consider we're catching six and a half with the commanders here, they were only a seven and a half, eight point dog in Philly earlier. It feels like a field goal game. Hopefully Philadelphia wins. It's low scoring. Uh, I need all the help I can get to cash my commanders under six and a half reg season wins. All right. Did you say Sam Howell was flirting with David Carr? I didn't know it for you to be uh, such a gossip. I mean, look, the two of them have spent as much time getting sacked as, you know, a lot of people in your industry these days. <laughs> I, so gotcha. I can understand where they're coming from. I know what you're saying. All right. Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. The Jags are a two and a half point favorite. The over under is 41 and a half. I'm taking Pittsburgh plus two and a half. They under Tomlin are 18-5-3 and three against the number. That's almost 80% as a home dog. That's ridiculous. I don't even like this team. They're lucky to be 4-2. and two. I imagine this is a team that you love. Um, you know, everyone hates the uh, offensive coordinator, but somehow they figure out a way to win, stick around with the subpar quarterback and win games. They are full of crap. But Furman, let me tell you, my official pick is the Steelers plus the points, but I figured out how to do this. This is genius, and you can jump on or not. Steelers opponent to win the first half, Steelers to win the game. If the line is around three, you can get 10 to one payout for that as I did last week, uh, as I did a few weeks ago against the Ravens. So you're already up. I feel like that's gonna come in about two or three more times the rest of the year. What do you think? I mean, I don't hate it. When you look at the Steelers team, uh, they lead the league in three and outs on their opening drive. You have to love Mike Tomlin last week coming out saying he didn't wanna defer the opening kickoff against the Rams because he wanted to protect his defense. Apparently three snaps to Kenny Pickett was the ideal way to protect his defense in some way, shape or form. You mentioned how good this Steelers team has been and winning one score games has kind of been a trademark under Mike Tomlin. 
But Sal, eventually every Cinderella story comes to an end. And that feels like what the Steelers are doing so far. They've been outgained in every single game so far this season. The only other team that has that dubious distinction is the Arizona Cardinals, who have one win to their credit. And for me to pick against the Steelers, I got to look around my studio and make sure my wife isn't around here. Because you know me, Cole, gets angry. She drops a lot (laughs) of four-letter words watching Matt Canada attempt to get that team moving forward. I think Jacksonville, with extra time to prepare, many more weapons working in their favor, and a good run defense goes into Heinz Field and comes away with a win, but most importantly, a cover win the game by a field goal or more. Shout out to me, Cole, your lovely wife. Yeah, one of the four-letter words might be sack because uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are very good at forcing turnovers. I think 15 on the season. All right, uh, Houston, three-and-a-half-point favorite. 43 is the over-under there at Carolina. Both teams were off last week, right? And this is also number one versus number two quarterback-wise. Stroud against Young. Stroud's my guy. I'm holding a 10-to-1 Offensive Rookie of the Year. Ticket, don't be jealous, Furman. Panthers, 0-6, 0-5-1 against the number. Frank Reich, 2-7-1 against the spread as a home underdog with the Colts and the Panthers. I am taking the Texans here. I do think there's more than a three-and-a-half point margin between these two teams. Stroud doesn't screw up, fifth in the league in passing. Nico Collins is a top-ten wide receiver, for crying out loud. You can run on the Panthers, who have a 31st-ranked 31st run defense. Uh, Young turns the ball over late. I think more than a field goal separates these two. 27-16. I'm going to go Houston. I know you're just going against me just to oh, make a joke of it. Go there's, ahead. So. There's, there's no doubt, Sal, but this will be the one nice thing I can say about you all show long. I actually think you have a winner with C.J. Stroud barring injury. Really? At 10-1 for him to be rookie of the year. I know Jordan Addison bridged that gap a little bit with his impressive performance on Monday Night Football earlier this week for the Vikings, but there's no doubt. Uh, I'm going against you with this one. I'll take the home underdog with Carolina. This was a Panthers team that had an extremely daunting schedule out of the gate. And I think when you look at the way the market had priced them, there was going to be some opportunity to bet them coming out of the buy. Now, I would love if Carolina was healthier in the defensive backfield, if they had players like Jeremy Chin and J.C. Horn out there to try and confuse a young quarterback. But this Carolina offense made a big change. Frank Wright gave a play calling responsibilities to their offensive coordinator. And while there aren't a ton of weapons for Carolina, I just don't trust Houston going out on the road to win by margin here. You know, we talk about key numbers all the time. And I think the idea of being able to grab the home underdog plus the hook there too much to pass up, but I'm not going to lie, Sal. It's awfully scary when you're betting a home underdog whose best weapon is Adam Thielen, who's one step closer to retirement than he is the peak of his career. Yeah, absolutely. Back to that uh, offensive rookie of the year ticket. How much will you give it for? I have 10 to one. How much you want to give me? I mean, I'm going to let you negotiate against yourself because knowing you have that ticket working in your favor, there's a distinct possibility that CJ Stroud is going to get hurt over the next two or three games. So I'll be able to buy it for pennies on the dollar. So why would I pay right now and buy it at the top? I've learned this lesson. The offer is $38,000 if you want it. Okay. (laughs) It only pays like 1200, but whatever you want to do. Uh, I got a a Saints ticket. I'll say it for a lot less than that. Oh, you son of a bitch. Dallas six and a half point favorite. 45 is the over under home for the Rams. Uh, I'm taking a teaser Cowboys and under 51 here. Cowboys basically just to win. They're off a bye. Rams got tripped up by the Steelers. Some referee shenanigans in that one at the end. The Rams are much better, though, than I thought they'd be. I'm a little nervous about laying the points. I'm taking the cowards way out and going with the teaser. Dak, 31-7 and seven as a favorite in this 6-7 point uh, range, favorite range. Defense uh, should make it tough for Stafford, who's a different quarterback when flustered. Fifth-ranked defense and third-ranked pass defense. 
for Dallas. The Rams are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 on the road. I think the boys win this somewhere around the 22-17 number. I don't want to deal with a backdoor cover scenario. Just taking them to win and for the game to go under on a teaser. You, my friend, are uh, backing my team. This is very- I am. I'm willing to lay the points here with the Cowboys. Famous last words watching Mike McCarthy call plays like he's out there leading an eight-year-old's flag football team so far this year with everything going horizontal and very few vertical shots. But you mentioned it. And the key component in this handicap is going to be Dallas's ability to generate pressure. I think you're going to have to have Micah Parsons live in the backfield and disrupt Matthew Stafford. Because when you look at this Cowboys secondary since Trevon Diggs has gone down, it leaves a lot to be desired. And the Rams are going to come at you with a variety of weapons. You look at how dynamic they've been throwing the ball down the field since the return of Cooper Cup. Puka Nakua hasn't exactly gone away. They still have a viable deep threat in Tutu Atwell. But my concern here for the Rams is their ability to be balanced. I mean, Ross Freeman, a Royce, Royce Freeman, excuse me, and Daryl Henderson, not exactly as dynamic as Kyron Williams running the ball. And if the Rams find themselves in known passing situations, I think Dallas can pin their ears back. It's rare. I'll say good things about the Cowboys, but I think this is a lay it or don't play it type scenario. I look for Dallas's offense to come alive. I like it. Lay it or fillet it. We had all sorts of uh, sayings for you. Hey, what do you think, by the way, of the way that game ended, the Rams uh, Steelers last week? There's a chip in the ball. You as a human being with a chip in your brain should be able to appreciate there's an actual chip in the ball. Can't we get that chip to measure where, where a first down is, where a person went down, and instead of these old men trotting out and putting their foot in the mud, It's so ridiculous, honestly. I mean, Kenny Pickett clearly came up short on that play. And with the rules that you have to have a timeout saved to be able to challenge, if it's under two minutes, the officials can call it. You know, the best case scenario would have been there for Mike Tomlin if he allowed the clock to run down to the two-minute warning and then the Rams were able to lean on the booth for a booth review. It would have been a brilliant stroke of genius for the Steelers to go, you know what, we're going to call a timeout with 2.07 left. You give us the first down and now we can knee it out unfortunate circumstances, but you know, Hey, look, that's what happens when you get to play a home game about 2,500 miles away from home. There were so many gross, terrible towels at SoFi stadium. It makes my stomach turn Sal, but we know everybody in Southern California, like yourself, very fair weather. And you can understand why they don't want to watch the Rams. And by the way, you should talk because you live in Las Vegas and the Raiders have at least 12% fans at their game. So I can see that's generous. I'm going to go under 12% (laughs) under. Jets at Giants. This one doesn't matter, right? Because both teams are technically home, although I guess the Giants are officially home. The Jets are a three-point favorite. 36 and a half is the over under. Uh, I think the Giants ought to be ashamed of themselves. Dable and this team, they're a playoff team from last year, and they're going up against Zach Wilson, and they're a three-point underdog. Technically, after being home, I'm going to take the Giants plus the three points in this situation. Um, you know, Wilson versus Taylor, both defensive, surprisingly in the same spot. If you talk to people, you would think the Jets are heads and shoulders above the Giants defense, but it's 23rd versus 24. Giants actually slightly better in yards allowed per game. Um, I believe you taught me, Furman, bet the dogs in low total games. This one's in the mid-30s. That's what I'm going to do. I think Ty Taylor is already a mid-level quarterback. How sad that is. Uh, 20-12-2 against the spread as an underdog. 17-16 final, you see it in there? No, you have the Jets. No, I'm going to go the other way, actually, and I'm going to look to lay the short number with the Jets. You mentioned that Jets defense, and there's no doubt they've taken a step back in terms of a lot of the counting stats so far this year. But the one thing we've seen different from the Jets in 2023 than a year ago is they're forcing turnovers and creating some short fields, which they have to do knowing some of the limitations placed on Zach Wilson. This is a Jets team from an offensive standpoint that I think will be able to run the football with Brees Hall. He's come back from that knee injury and been a home run waiting to happen. 
You mentioned the Giants and their current form significantly better with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, a near miss against Buffalo in that Sunday night football game. They follow it up with a game against the Commanders last week where it looked like both teams were limping to the finish line. But I just think that the Jets will have a few wrinkles in store. And if the Giants have to play from behind, this isn't the kind of defense that you want to do that against. So with no home field advantage, like you mentioned here, I make the Jets a three and a half point favorite on a neutral. I can understand why if it's going to be a pro Giants crowd, they're attracting some money. Uh, but familiar surroundings, I'll lay the points and do so begrudgingly with Gang Green. All right, a couple of teams the Jets are competing with, kind of, in the AFC East, Miami and New England. The Dolphins are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Forty-six-and-a-half is the over-under. Dolphins embarrassed last Monday night uh, or Sunday night. New England beat up on Buffalo. That number hasn't moved, though, from nine-and-a-half. Um, they played a couple weeks ago. The Dolphins won that night game by seven on the road. I'm taking Miami again here by nine-and-a-half. They have a few injuries, although uh, – Tyreek Hill has announced that he's going to play or plans to play on Sunday. Might not be the same news for him, Mostert. Um, also have a lot of depth, even without those two mentioned. Mac Jones 0-5 against the spread versus the Dolphins. Two of meanwhile 15-5 against the number at home. This is what they do. They beat up on bad teams. Pats, I feel like, had their Super Bowl last week, and I am going with Miami. You know, probably score a lot, actually, too. 33-13, 33-16. You know what's interesting about Miami? You look at Tua's success against Bill Belichick, and he's doing it almost with one hand tied behind his back because the one thing that we have seen from Bill Belichick over the years is if he's going to lose to you, he's not going to allow your best weapon to beat him. And New England did a sensational job limiting the effectiveness of Tyreek Hill in the first meeting on that Sunday night football game. But Miami was able to make a few more plays. Mac Jones turned it over late in that contest. But you hit on a key injury, and I think when you look at this Dolphins backfield that's a little bit banged up, we know Devin Achain is still going to be out for this one. We'll see if Raheem Mostert gives it a go. If it's Jeff Wilson, it makes them that much less dynamic in their ability to run the football. And don't look now, but this is a Dolphins team that finds themselves in a little bit of a sandwich spot here that I think you can get a workmanlike performance. I like the game under the total a bit. Have no qualms with you laying the points. But I know the game that we're all looking forward to a week from Sunday of course, we're going to play one of the biggest games in the AFC halfway around the world in Frankfurt, Germany. Germany, uh, yeah. But the Chiefs against the Dolphins. Uh, I like this game under the total, mainly because I think Miami's defense is trending in the right direction, and it's a unit that's only going to get better over the latter portion of the campaign. All right, Furman, good stuff. Hey, you and your lush eyebrows, stick around, because after the break, we're going to get to the rest of the NFL slate. Stick around. More Cousin Sal's winning weekend when we return. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. We are here with Todd Furman, who is not only an expert handicapper, but also a political activist. I want to show uh, you a picture. Well, you've seen this picture. You're testifying on behalf of the legalization of sports gambling in California. I remember this well. We were shooting our show, and you took the day off, and you headed to Sacramento like a champion, and uh, you failed to be honest, right? I, I mean, look, your political situation in the state of California is so ass backwards. You can't blame me for the fact that they can't get everybody on the same page to legalize. I do. 
I put my best foot forward. I tried to do everything in my power to make it happen. And you know what? They actually docked my pay for going up there (laughs) as an ambassador for the network that we used to work for. So you got your pound of flesh one way or another. And I subjected you to undivided attention from your arch nemesis and Clay Travis and our beloved. Yeah, that's true. All right. I appreciate that at least, but you did fail us. All right, let's go over these uh, games. We have a few more left. Minnesota and Green Bay. The Vikings are now a one and a half point favorite. 42 and a half is the total. This flip, the Packers Tuesday morning or late Monday night, at least were a one point favorite. I believe then the Vikings look great. They upset the 49ers. Kirk Cousins finally wins a Monday night football game. Uh, Jordan Addison emerges as a star. Jordan Love, not emerging as a star, struggled against the Broncos, which is not really allowed in this league, Furman. I know I'm going to get burned here because the Vikings look so good, and I'm betting them minus the point and a half to keep it going. Look for Madison, not Addison, Alexander Madison, to have a big game versus the 30th-ranked rush defense. They allow 144 a game. Give me the Vikings minus the point and a half. You're taking a little, maybe a little more conservative approach here. Uh, you know, I lean Green Bay because I do think Vikings stock as an all-time high and in the NFL. NFL. It's a what have you done for me lately league. So when a team plays a complete game like we saw on Monday, you look to go against in the following week. But I'm going to go with the defensive stalemate, at least early in the contest. I'll go first half under. Now you're going to want to keep tabs on the injury report. Jair Alexander practiced on Wednesday, didn't practice on Thursday. He is a key cog to try and limit the effectiveness of Jordan Addison with no Justin Jefferson out there. But with Devondre Campbell, the green dot in the middle of that Green Bay defense trending up, and Matt LaFleur calling plays, operating this Packers offense at a snail's pace. I think under is the order of the day with two division rivals, a high level of familiarity. I'll go under in the first half. All right, moving on to Seattle and Cleveland. Seattle was three, went to three and a half. And I was like, yes, I like Seattle. And it went from three to three and a half. I'm smart. And then I realized, oh, I didn't put any money on it yet. So I'm kind of screwing <laughs> myself, but I still feel good about it. Cleveland comes to town. Uh, Browns defense did not show up last week at Indianapolis. And that's really the only thing to like about the Browns, other than the fact that Deshaun Watson has totally screwed them over and uh, getting a, a last laugh against this team. Four and two against the spread Seattle is Browns three six and one against the spread last 10 road games 24 17 sounds right to me i think uh seattle defense and the 12th man stifle pj walker you don't like that score you're going under yeah i'm gonna go under the total you mentioned pj walker and he's one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league right now so cleveland's path to success is all about establishing a ground game which gets to be a little bit more difficult we know nick chubb was lost for the season jerome ford now dealing with an injury means a much larger workload for kareem hunt Uh, But you mentioned the redeeming quality of this Browns team, and they were embarrassed last week, giving up 38 points, uh, albeit in a win against the Indianapolis Colts. But the one thing the Browns do so well is play man coverage defensively. It's kind of the trademark of a Jim Schwartz-led defense. And Geno Smith struggles immensely trying to dissect and slice and dice a defense that goes about things that way. I think Miles Garrett and company can live in the backfield, make life difficult. It feels like a true coin flip on the side, but I think the first team to 17 gets a big win in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm rooting for punts and human failure in this game, Sal. I'm going to do that's what you do. Punts and human failure. I'm going to have that on your headstone. All right. uh, NFC West rival for Seattle, San Francisco home against Cincinnati. Three and a half is what the line is at now. Forty five and a half is the over on the weird game Tuesday morning after the Vikes upset the 49ers. This line was five and a half. And then the Purdy news comes out in concussion protocol probably not going to play Sunday. Doesn't happen for quarterbacks this way if they get a sustain a concussion earlier in the week. Uh, so now we have Sam Darnold in there. The line moves down to three and now three and a half. 
I think this is a rat line. I'm taking Cincinnati under 19 and a half points total. Uh, they scored 20 or more in only two of their six games. Three against, um, who did they play? Three against the Browns, three against the Titans. I don't know how or if the 49ers are going to score, but I think their defense is going to get it together. Bosa and Fred Warner took responsibility for that Monday loss. This is your team, Furman. This is the, you pretend like this is your team so you don't look like a weirdo when people ask you who your NFL team is. But the 49ers are, in fact, your team? I don't know. I, I mean, they were my team a couple of years ago and nobody wanted to give them credit. Now everybody loves them. So you know me, Sal. Once a band gets too big for its britches and stops playing in dive bars and wants to try and sell out Wembley Stadium, I want no part of it. But I will back the 49ers here, even though the number is ticked off at three to three and a half. Look, I don't think it's a massive downgrade from Brock Purdy to Sam Darnold. I do hope that Trent Williams is out there along the offensive line for San Francisco. And let's not sugarcoat it. It's been tough to back anything associated with USC right now, whether it's in the college ranks yeah, or the true. NFL. Sam Darnold may be the last great hope that this team can put together. But I do think when you've been embarrassed like they were against the Minnesota Vikings, you mentioned the two defensive players taking responsibility for the loss. Steve Wilkes shouldn't be going, you know, with a cover zero in the tail end of the half, allowing Jordan Addison to have that 50-50 right. ball he pulled away from Traverius Ward. I'll lay the points here with the 49ers and hope that that Bengals offense takes a few more weeks to get completely right. All right, another team that looked great last week. Probably the most thorough win against a good team all year is what Baltimore did to Detroit. And now they go to Arizona. This was eight and a half. It went up to nine and a half. This might be a trap game. I'm playing it as a trap game. I'm taking Arizona as bad as they are. And that stat that you mentioned, how they've been outscored every single game, not outscored uh, yardage-wise, they've been beaten every single game. Um, Arizona wanted so desperately to cover versus Seattle last week. They couldn't figure it out. That was my best bet on the wise guys. Seattle, thank you for coming through. Meanwhile, Baltimore, like I said, thorough win. I got to be honest, nine and a half. This is just how it goes, right? Team looks great one week. You could uh, bet on them to lay an egg. And why would they get up for this Arizona team anyway? Three and 13 against the spread when favored by more than three points. That's ugly. Dobbs two and one against the number at home. Lamar pulls it out, but I think it's like 29, 24. I'm taking the points. And I'm all about rooting for points here. I'm going to go over the total in the first half because when you look at this Arizona Cardinals team, that's where they have done some of their best work. It's the adjustments that they don't make at the halftime break that have really plagued them in terms of winning more football games, not just covering. Meanwhile, Baltimore last week, we saw how much more dynamic this offense looks both in the box score and on the scoreboard when they drive the length of the field instead of settling for 37 Justin Tucker field goals like they did against the Titans in London. They cash in those drives for touchdowns, and I think that's more of the same against one of the league's worst defenses. You look at the wealth of riches around Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers coming into his own. You know, we know what Mark Andrews can do, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham. They have a deep stable of running backs as well. If Arizona can get me seven points in the first half, Sally, I really like this game to go over the total early. So I'll go over the first half number at 21 and a half. It's just tough rooting for them. Hey, well, a lot of people, a lot of noise about Lamar Jackson uh, winning MVP and that number. I don't know. I, I don't feel like he has eight touchdowns and three interceptions. Those numbers don't pop right? Even if they win like 12 or 13 games. Yeah. Point. I mean, I think at this point, I mean, we saw his number get basically get cut in half. I think it was 14 to one going into the lions game. And now mm -hmm. we're down to seven. So I don't think you have to run over men, women, and children to try and bet this price Whoa. now, I'm but, I, that. Yeah. but I do think uh, as he continues to get a better understanding of the offense that Todd Munkin wants to run and they're aggressive throwing the ball downfield, you know, Lamar can put together a very nice stat statistical profile I bet Lamar over his touchdown passes before the year at 24 and a half. 
I would like him to have a couple of two and three touchdown performances yeah. going forward. But I think if you're looking at that MVP market, honestly, Sal, Josh Allen is a guy that I think has fallen out of favor and the bills are going to have to score a boatload of points with that ailing defense. Interesting. All right. Kansas city. Um, who else? One of the top two odds guys for MVP Patrick Mahomes ever hear of him. Seven and a half point favorite 46 and a half. Is he over or under at Denver Furman? Does it bother you that these two teams played like uh, six hours ago? And now they're already back on the schedule. I mean, I'm not sure what the schedule makers are doing sometimes. Maybe yeah. they just wanted this to be the last straw for Sean Payton and company to unload every meaningful piece that they had on their offense or defense before the trade <laughs> deadline. That's probably it. Um, but how do you take Denver at this point? They already lost by double digits uh, against the Chiefs on that night game about the 12 days ago, whatever. Mahomes, 16 straight wins in the division, 12 straight against Denver. He's like hit 75% of his passes the last three weeks. And that coincides nicely with what Denver has done. They've allowed 75% completion rate to the quarterbacks they've faced. Chiefs offense heating up. This is worse than the Thursday game we saw a couple weeks ago. 30 to 13, I'm going to say. I mean, the nice part is that we don't have to subject ourselves to this one because it's buried in that Sunday afternoon slate right. instead of in a standalone time slot. Uh, I'm going to take the Broncos team total over nine and a half in the first half. And the reason I like that angle, when you look at what Sean Payton has been able to scheme up, some of the Broncos best plays offensively have come early in the game. We can talk at great lengths about how they blow so many leads at halftime. Well, they're not going to have that luxury here. I think you're going to want to showcase a lot of the receivers in this spot. There are a couple of opportunities to throw downfield. And the loss of Nick Bolton in the middle of that Kansas City defense, I think, looms large. I'm just stunned that every time these teams play, professional bettors want to back the Broncos, and I have minimal reason to understand why that's the case. I'll back the Broncos <laughs> team total over early. Hope they get to 10 if I have to. You're doing the same thing, though. Yeah, You know, 10 I'm is just four rooting field for goals. Points. They can it's be down 17 to 10 at the half, and I'm able to cash my All ticket. Right. Good luck. That's a good luck with that. That's a tough one. All right. Chargers eight and a half uh, more AFC West action chargers eight and a half point favorite against the NFC North darling Chicago bears 46 and a half is the over under. Listen, I know deep down in my heart of hearts, the chargers are a seven point or better touchdown favorite better than the bears. I, I know they're better. All right. And especially Tyson Bajan's bears, but this is proof that the Chargers can't be trusted in any situation. They're home off a loss versus Chicago. Bajan, I'm still taking the eight and a half and wouldn't be surprised if the Bears pulled off the upset. The back door couldn't be more wide open. Justin Herbert, one and nine in the second half against the spread after a halftime lead. So they'll take the lead. You know what they'll do. They'll crumble. I'm shocked at how square a pick you're ending the segment on. You went after Herbert last week, didn't you? I did. I took shots at Justin Herbert, said he wasn't clutch. But you know what? If you're up three touchdowns going into the fourth quarter, you don't have to make any clutch throws to lead at late fourth quarter comeback. You mentioned Tyson Badgett, and I think people in Chicago want to build a statue of him along Lakeshore Drive because they've fallen in love with a dominant performance against the Raiders. But you look at some of the advanced stats, they were nothing to write home about. The Bears were able to run the football effectively. They played from a positive or neutral game state. If they're playing from behind here, even against the much maligned Chargers secondary, Beijing can't stretch the field whatsoever. It's a short, controlled passing game. I think this is a get-right spot for the Chargers. But if you believe the Bears can pull off the outright upset here, you may as well bet Brandon Staley to be the first coach fired. Because if that's the case and you lose outright at home as an 8.5-point favorite here, I think Staley's dusting off that resume trying to find gainful employment by Monday afternoon. All right, you're probably right. And I can't believe you're taking both night favorites uh, and a teaser, and it's probably going to win. Tell us real quick, uh, Detroit over Vegas, 7.5 points is the uh, side, 45.5 
is the over under. I'm taking Detroit minus seven and a half. McDaniels and the Raiders don't exactly soak up the primetime spotlight. 18 points a game at night. Goff three and one against the number under the lights. I'm not worried about the defense. They have trouble against mobile quarterbacks. The Lions do. Jimmy G, Hoyer, O'Connell, whatever you throw at them, that doesn't fit the bill. This is going to be the highest scoring game. It's not a Sunday game, so it's going to be hard to find for the highest scoring. 41-13. You can get that exact final at 220 to one on FanDuel, Furman. <laughs> I'll let you plunk down your cash at 220 to one on the exact final score, but I do think the Lions can name it in this particular spot. You mentioned the square bear approach of sorts, and I'm perfectly fine teasing the Chargers down as long as you get them below a field goal and tying it into the Lions on Monday night. A bounce back spot for a team that was embarrassed at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens. It doesn't appear they'll get David Montgomery back, but I do think the Lions defensive line can make life miserable for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jared Goff in a climate-controlled conditions of the friendly confines at Ford Field will be just fine against this Raiders secondary. Look for the Lions with a convincing victory. Uh, I'm just not sure it's by 28 points like you're predicting, mm. uh, so I'll tease it down for a little bit of added insurance and security. All right, Furman. One thing I didn't see on Fandle is that I'm projected to beat you by 0.58 points in fantasy this week. You want to concede now? I think uh, I'm not going to concede. I may make some lineup changes, and I actually looked at a couple of other spots and and I think I'm a dollar eighteen favorite against what? Oh, dollar eighteen. I mean, that's a silly number. All right, listen. Thank you, Todd. You could follow Todd on X at Todd Furman. Bet the board podcast. That's his podcast. CBS HQ and now Puckline Furman. Thanks for being here. Always a pleasure, Sally. Good to talk a little ball when we get the opportunity. All right, coming up, we've got a real Patriot, Cowboy, and Bill joining us. The great Drew Bledsoe will be here to break down what he thinks are the most important traits in an NFL quarterback and why Brett Favre owes him money. That's next on Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Let's bring in our guest. He is not only a four-time Pro Bowl quarterback and Super Bowl champion, but an award-winning winemaker. That's right, he's mastered the deep pass as well as the deep reds. Drew Bledsoe is here. What's happening, Drew? Oh, man, great to be here. Great to be here. Drew, I was I was stuck in a Drew Bledsoe rabbit hole last night. Not a, play, a bad place to be as a football fan, but I relived <coughs> the uh, 97 quarterback challenge. I've watched this a bunch over the years. Um, I don't know if you want to relive it, but it was you and Brett Favre essentially faced off in the Super Bowl of QB throws. It was insane. You threw a ball 74 yards, and then he had to go to overtime, and he hit your flag, and it was ruled that the ball went 75 yards. There was no instant replay with this, right? There was no instant replay. I feel like I was completely robbed. Uh, (laughs) And the the funny thing with that one was uh, that Brett, his first two throws – you know, you have to land that ball in between the hash marks in order for it to count. And I don't think that showed up on the highlights. Well, Brett threw the first two, and he didn't even land them in bounds. So, you know, I felt like, you know, the fact that I was able to throw it and keep it in between the lines should have counted for something. 
Yeah. And uh, he, he hit my hit my stake. I think I think they should have called it a tie. I think we should have split the winnings, and I'm still very bitter about it. You know, arm strength, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it used to be, I think, the number one factor in drafting a quarterback. And I feel like it's fallen to third or fourth now. Is that right? There was always something that, that, that teams looked at. But in terms of, you know, important attributes for a quarterback, you know, it's probably like, fourth or fifth, you know, honestly, you know, yeah. decision-making is number one timing. Uh, number two, accuracy is more important than arm strength. Um, and then your, you know, just your ability to um, make the big decision that doesn't hurt your team as, you know, it's, it's, you know, you kind of have to take the, like the doctor's Hippocratic oath first, do no harm. So I want to give you some credit here uh, that I don't feel you get often. And I'm going to take you back to that 2001 season, which I'm sure is bittersweet. So plug your ears if you must. But I, I, I have to get this off my chest. You take a hit from Mo Lewis. You're rushed to the hospital. You like sheared a blood vessel in your chest. You were like bleeding a, a pint of blood per hour. And then fast forward to the AFC championship against the Steelers. You come in for Brady, who has now succeeded you. You're playing in the game after all. This is nothing short of heroic. And I feel like you should get, first of all, I feel like you should have won comeback player of the year within that year. I don't know who won it in 2001, 2002, but um, were, you, were you like, hey, everybody, look, look at me for a second here. Look what I've done. I was bleeding to death a minute ago. Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I tell people that, that getting to play in that game was like if you if, if somebody's star if you're starving and somebody gives you a cracker, you know, <laughs> you're like, oh wow, okay, that was that was awesome. But then, uh, but then, you know, get in, get to go in and play, and then we play in the big game the next week, and and now Tommy's back on the field. Uh, so it was uh, it was a great feeling to be able to get back out there and play a little bit and help us uh, help us to to win the game to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, but then it made it even even rougher the next week when I didn't get to play in the uh, the, the big game. But um, no, that was a crazy season. Definitely the definition of bittersweet. You know, so happy for my team and my teammates. But personally, it was uh, that was that was a tough one. Did you root for the Patriots and Brady and all their Super Bowls, or you know, at that point? Oh, like, not, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, think about it, you know, not, certainly not certainly not right away. Um, you know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. I have great respect for Tom and for the Kraft family and for the entire organization. But if you get fired from a job, are you, are you, uh, are you really going to go cheer for that company to be super successful after you leave? I mean, I don't think anybody would do that. Uh, but, uh, certainly since then, you know, I've, I've got, uh, um, great affection for, you know, for the, the Kraft family, for that organization and actually for the region. It's really fun to go back and see old fans and old friends. And, and, uh, so, you know, but that certainly took a little while before uh, before I could come back around to that. Absolutely. You know what? That's a refreshing answer. I like that. I like mm -hmm. it. Now, you you played for three of the all-time greats, Parcells, Belichick, Pete Carroll. I want to ask you about the difference between the two bills. Um, what was their uh, – well, what I want to really know is who are you more afraid of pissing off out of the two? I mean, shoot, you know, think about it. I played for Parcells when I was 21, um, and uh, mm. the, the, best thing, <clears throat> the best thing about Sundays – um, you know, getting to go to the game was that he had to be at least 30, 35 yards away from me. So he couldn't be in my ear while I was trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to execute the offense. He had to be over there on the sidelines, which I, I always appreciated that piece of it. Yeah. I guess that's actually an easy answer, right? Because he, like, he was very vocal. Whereas I don't know, Belichick would probably just ignore you. And that was a different kind yeah, of, no, uh, I mean, it was just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, no, was never, never afraid of him, but he was just annoying. Yeah. You know? 
just that, uh, <laughs> that voice that was always in your always in your ear while you're trying to practice. Yeah, you obviously had a great run at Washington State. Um, I saw your Cougars play live this uh, past weekend. I was in Oregon. My kids are freshmen there. So, um, what do you do if that you're them and this Pac-12 disaster? It's very sad what's become of the Pac-12, and now they're the odd man, one of the odd men uh, on the outs looking in. If the AD came to you for advice, what would you say in terms of what to do with the program? I don't know. I, the, the whole thing is sad. I think it's been terribly mismanaged, you know, for a lot of years on the at the, at the Pac-12 level. Um, and I hope that they find a way to uh, to salvage something. But for the Cougs and the and the Beavers, uh, you know, the two remaining teams, you know, they're just kind of hanging out there in limbo, trying to figure out what you know where they're going to be, what they're going to do. Yeah. Speaking of Washington and the state of Washington, let's talk about your award-winning wine, uh, BledsoeFamilyWinery.com. That's where you can check it out. I was on there. Beautiful pictures, by the way. What a, what a life. You've really figured it out. It's pretty cool, man, to be honest with you. It's, that's my hometown. You know, I grew up right there in Walla Walla. Uh, beautiful little town. And then when I was off playing ball, it became known as one of the great wine grape growing regions of the world. Uh, so for me to be able to go back home to my little small town and have a meaningful business there uh, has been really just an amazing experience. And at the end of the day, we get to, you know, we get to drink wine and call it work. So, you know, we're kind yeah. of winning on that equation. So it's, it's been a ton of fun. What, were you always into like wine growing up? Like when you, you said you grew up in this town, when you, when everybody wanted to do keg stands in high school, were you like, Hey guys, let's, let's take it easy. Have a Chardonnay or something. Yeah, no, I, I I wish I could tell you that I was, but we didn't really get to tell. I was in the uh, uh, in the NFL and had a couple of nickels to buy something that didn't come in a box. Uh, right. That. So it was it was something we came to later, but uh, but it became a passion very quickly. And and uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun to be able to call that you know our second career. Drew, before uh, you leave, could you give us a Super Bowl prediction? The Baltimore Ravens are playing really well right now. The receivers are actually catching the ball which is a, which is a nice benefit for Lamar um but but he's a, he's a really unique uh weapon because you know forever you know the way I always looked at it if you had a you know if you had a mobile quarterback um you know a lot of times that meant that they didn't work very well from the pocket throwing the ball well Lamar's not that way he can actually sit in the pocket and deliver the ball uh the Chiefs are always going to be in the mix um you know and then um you know on the on the NFC side, you know what I'm going to say. And so you can hate it and just go cry. But, uh, but I don't, I, the Eagles look, uh, look, uh, really, really tough. So, you know, yeah. uh, I know, as, I know as a Cowboys fan that, you know, you can just go cry in your pillow and suck your thumb and, <laughs> and, and feel bad about it. But, but, uh, until somebody knocks the Eagles off their perch, yeah. uh, they're going to be really tough to handle. How, uh, first of all, how dare you? And also I don't own a pillow. I had to sell it after I lost, uh, when the Cowboys lost to the, uh, Cardinals, I took a bath oh, there. So, right, uh, right, so no, right. no pillow to cry in Bledsoefamilywinery.com. Go there. And Drew is waiting for a rematch with Brett Favre. That's going to happen soon. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, the, like the, uh, senior division, uh, quarterback <laughs> challenge would actually be kind of a funny thing to watch. There you go. Drew Bledsoe, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Great talking to you. All right. Stick around for more Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend when we return. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. 
With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, we're back on Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Almost done here, except I'd feel bad about starting the weekend without giving you one more winner. Here it is. It's a same-game parlay. I apologize, but it's very Cowboy-centric. Three-legger, Dallas adjusted to minus 2.5, under 61.5 points. That's a ton. And tight end Jake Ferguson to hit pay dirt. He has 11 red zone targets. No way he's letting me down. Nice little Halloween heap of Hamiltons for you. Hey, I'll be back bright and early Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Ringer Wise Guys with my buddies John Jastrzemski, Raheem Palmer, and Joe House. I want to thank Drew Bledsoe, Todd Furman, and no thanks at all to Candy Corn. You still suck. Here's a reminder to all my bet buddies watching and listening. You may feel like underdogs, but please remember, you're all my favorites. <laughs>